welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. There are many people that don't believe that our words and thoughts are powerful. But whether written or spoken, indeed, our words and thoughts are extremely powerful. And every word that we speak or write, and every thought that we think, can bring into manifestation that which we utter, or that which we believe. Because words create, and thoughts conceive. So let us be mindful of our words and thoughts, those that we speak, write, or think about ourselves or others, and understand that whether we speak them loudly or think them silently, those words go directly to the spirit of the living God within us, our mighty I Am Presence. And that presence, y'all, is power. And when our words and thoughts are loving, we bless ourselves and others. But when our words and thoughts are hateful, we curse our own selves as the speaker, the writer, the thinker of that darkness and negativity. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved. The arcana of the ancient mysteries were never revealed to the profane except through the media of symbols. Symbolism fulfilled the dual office of concealing the sacred truths from the uninitiated and revealing them to those qualified to understand the symbols. Forms are the symbols of formless divine principles, symbolism is the language of nature. With reverence the wise pierce the veil and with clearer vision contemplate the reality, but the ignorant, unable to distinguish between the false and the true, behold a universe of symbols. It may well be said of nature, the Great Mother, that she is ever tracing strange characters upon the surface of things, but only to her eldest and wisest sons as a reward for their faith and devotion, does she reveal the cryptic alphabet which is the key to the import of these tracings. The temples of the ancient mysteries evolved their own sacred languages, known only to their initiates and never spoken save in the sanctuary. The illumined priests considered it sacrilege to discuss the sacred truths of the higher worlds with the divine verities of eternal nature in the same tongue as that used by the vulgar for wrangling and dissension. A sacred science must needs be couched in a sacred language. Secret alphabets also were invented, and whenever the secrets of the wise were committed to writing, characters meaningless to the uninformed were employed. Such forms of writing were called sacred or hermetic alphabets. Some, such as the famous angelic writing, are still retained in the higher degrees of masonry. Secret alphabets were not entirely satisfactory, however, for although they rendered unintelligible the true nature of the writings, their very presence disclosed the fact of concealed information, which the priests also sought to conceal. Through patience or persecution, the keys to these alphabets were eventually acquired and the contents of the documents revealed to the unworthy. 
This necessitated employment of more subtle methods for concealing the divine truths. The result was the appearance of cryptic systems of writing designed to conceal the presence of both the message and the cryptogram. Having thus devised a method of transmitting their secrets to posterity, the Illuminati encouraged the circulation of certain documents specially prepared through incorporating into them ciphers containing the deepest secrets of mysticism and philosophy. Thus, medieval philosophers disseminated their theories throughout Europe without evoking suspicion, since volumes containing these cryptograms could be subjected to the closest scrutiny without revealing the presence of the hidden message. During the Middle Ages scores of writers, members of secret political or religious organizations, published books containing ciphers. Secret writing became a fad, every European court had its own diplomatic cipher, and the intelligentsia vied with one another in devising curious and complicated cryptograms. The literature of the 15th, 16th, and 17th centuries is permeated with ciphers, few of which have ever been decoded. Many of the magnificent scientific and philosophic intellects of this period dared not publish their findings, because of the religious intolerance of their day. In order to preserve the fruitage of their intellectual labors for mankind, these pioneers of progress concealed their discoveries in ciphers, trusting that future generations, more kindly than their own, would discover and appreciate their learning. The Secret Teachings of All Ages, by Manley P. Hall, 1928. Volume 2, Chapter 1 Plutarch thinks the Feast of the Booths to be the Bacchic Rites, not the Eleusinium. Thus, Bacchus was directly called upon, he says. The Sabazion worship was Sabbatic, the names Evius or Hevius, and Luos are identical with Hivite and Levite. The French name Louis is the Hebrew Levi, Eachus again is Eau or Jehovah, and Baal or Adon, like Bacchus, was a phallic god. Who shall ascend into the hill, the high place, of the Lord? Asks the holy king David, who shall stand in the place of his kagushu. Psalms 24, 3. Kadesh may mean in one sense to devote, hallow sanctify and even to initiate or to set apart, but it also means the ministers of lascivious rites, the Venus worship, and the true interpretation of the word Kadesh is bluntly rendered in Deuteronomy 23, 17. Hosea 4, 14, and Genesis 38, from verses 15 to 22. The holy Ketchuth of the Bible were identical as to the duties of their office with the Notch girls of the later Hindu pagodas. The Hebrew Ketchum or Gali lived by the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove, or bust of Venus Astarte, says verse the 7th, in the 23rd chapter of 2 Kings. The dance performed by David round the ark was the circle dance, said to have been prescribed by the Amazons for the mysteries. Such was the dance of the daughters of Shiloh, Judges 21, 21, 23 at Passam, and the leaping of the prophets of Baal, 1 Kings 18, 26. It was simply a characteristic of the Sabaean worship, for it denoted the motion of the planets round the sun. That the dance was a Bacchic frenzy is apparent. Sistra were used on the occasion, and the taunt of Michael and the king's reply are very expressive. The king of Israel uncovered himself before his maidservants as one of the vain, or debauched, fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. And he retorts, I will play, act wantonly, before and I will be yet more vile than this, and I will be base in my own sight. When we remember that David had sojourned among the Tyrians and Philistines, where their rights were common, 
and that indeed he had conquered that land away from the house of Saul, by the aid of mercenaries from their country, the countenancing and even, perhaps, the introduction of such a pagan-like worship by the weak psalmist, seems very natural. David knew nothing of Moses, it seems, and if he introduced the Jehovah worship, it was not in its monotheistic character, but simply as that of one of the many gods of the neighboring nations, a tutelary deity to whom he had given the preference, and chosen among all other gods. H. P. Blavatsky Following the Christian dogma Syriatum, if we concentrate our attention upon one which provoked the fiercest battles until its recognition, that of the Trinity, what do we find? We meet it, as we have shown, northeast of the Indus, and tracing it to Asia Minor and Europe, recognize it among every people who had anything like an established religion. It was taught in the oldest Chaldean, Egyptian, and Mithraic schools. The Chaldean sun god, Mithra, was called Triple, and the Trinitarian idea of the Chaldeans was a doctrine of the Akkadians, who, themselves, belonged to a race which was the first to conceive a metaphysical trinity. The Chaldeans are a tribe of the Akkadians, according to Rawlinson, who lived in Babylonia from the earliest times. They were Turanians, according to others, and instructed the Babylonians into the first notions of religion. But these same Akkadians, who were they? Those scientists who would ascribe to them a Turanian origin, make of them the inventors of the cuneiform characters, others call them Sumerians, others again, respectively, make their language, of which, for very good reasons, no traces whatever remain, Castin, Chaldaic, Proto-Chaldean, Kastu-Scythic, and so on. The only tradition worthy of credence is that these Akkadians instructed the Babylonians in the mysteries, and taught them the sacerdotal or mystery language. These Akkadians were then simply a tribe of the Hindu Brahmins, now called Aryans, their vernacular language, the Sanskrit of the Vedas, and the sacred or mystery language, that which, even in our own age, is used by the Hindu fakirs and initiated Brahmins, in their magical evocations. It has been, from time immemorial, and still is employed by the initiates of all countries, and the Tibetan Lamas claim that it is in this tongue that appear the mysterious characters on the leaves and bark of the sacred kanbun. Jacolio, who took such pains to penetrate the mysteries of the Brahmanical initiation, in translating and commenting upon the Agrauchata Parishai, confesses the following, It is pretended also, without our being able to verify the assertion, that the magical evocation were pronounced in a particular language, and that it was forbidden, under pain of death, to translate them into vulgar dialects. The rare expressions that we have been able to catch, like, Ram, Ham, Shrum, Shorhim, are in fact most curious, and do not seem to belong to any known idiom. Those who have seen a fakir or a lama reciting his mantras and conjurations, know that he never pronounces the words audibly when preparing for a phenomenon. His lips move, and none will ever hear the terrible formula pronounced, except in the interior of the temples, and then in a cautious whisper. This, then, was the language now respectively baptized by every scientist, and, according to his imaginative and philological propensities, Kostiosemitic, Scythic, Proto-Chaldean, and the like. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 When you understand what's in the atmosphere of Earth, you will know how much individuals in this world must have this, if the mass accumulation of hatred is to prevent the destructive forces accomplishing their vicious ends. 
Only the sacred fire from the great central sun contains the power of love, forgiveness, and mercy, that consumes the human creation and disconnects the outer self from the mass pressure of the centuries. So tonight, as you join with us and release now the sacred fire love that demands the freedom of all life from all mankind's discord of the centuries, then when you say, save all, and all contains my loved ones, then the cosmic law would have to answer you, will have to save your loved ones, will have to give assistance. Whether those life streams are embodied or disembodied matters not. The love, forgiveness, and mercy of the sacred fire would have to flow in and around those life streams with whom you have been connected, and whose future you want to be the victory of the ascension. So, when you call for the ascension of all life everywhere in this world, and you demand whatever great central sun's sacred fire love, forgiveness, and mercy to life, whatever power of that sacred fire consumes human feeling, you have rendered a service far beyond what you can understand tonight. And if you will, say to the great cosmic law, save my loved ones, and I will render service to life until all life is purified, ascended, and free. And then the cosmic law can give you miracles and victories that you do not even dream could be accomplished in this life, even through those who at the present time seem caught in the clutches of destructive forces, from which they cannot be free at the present moment. This is sometimes referred to in religious channels as the vicarious atonement. It is not that. It is just obedience to the great law of cause and effect, that if you are interested in the purification of all life, that all beings may have the ascension, then your loved one is included in all, and must of necessity receive the 60%, that is in your world. And your one wave of love can be the scepter of power that determines the destiny of those who seem caught in the shadows, but who can be rescued by the sacred fire love of forgiveness and mercy, and violet flame purification. Beloved Lady Master Nada, So, bless ones, go forward and be the great central sun magnet's feeling of love to life that demands it be cut free from everything that is destructive, and that at every life stream be forced to awaken, and of its own free will turn to the constructive way of life and give the obedience by which all human creation can be consumed forever. Then as you live in the world of the sun presence of our sacred fire love, forgiveness and mercy to life, you will understand why the violet consuming flame is the royal authority and power of the rulers of the world. Your mighty Saint Germain has poured this love throughout the ages. Now his family of violet flame freedom I shall ever guard, and offer every possible assistance until you all are willing to do this. And in that will come the fulfillment of his heart's desire for the purification and freedom of the nation of his heart, the heart of the world, and all life is compelled to turn away from the hordes of evil until they are consumed, and life streams awakening go forward in the obedience that does manifest perfection here that is the ascension for all, not only individuals, but the powers of nature, your nation, the world, and all upon it. And it is well worth every effort of your life to make this call. And your loved ones will be the beneficiaries, as well as the world. So, the angels of love and mercy and forgiveness, are the angels of the violet consuming flame. They are the angels from the healing temples of the sacred fire. They are the sacred fire angels of eternal purity. And all are so willing and so ready to send forth, on your slightest call, this power flame of the sacred fire's love, forgiveness and mercy to life, and demand purity in this world, until there are no more shadows to cast discredit upon the glory of the mighty I am presence, or cause distress to life. So let us all live, that all suffering in all life may now be consumed in the sacred fire's violet flame love, forgiveness and mercy to life, and the purity of eternity come and now and be the only healing presence to the people of America and the world. 
and your loved ones shall one day stand with you in the love and gratitude of that freedom, and love will have claimed its own into the freedom of eternity. May you go forward and never forget this night, and never forget to call for all the sacred fire necessary to consume all mankind's human creation everywhere, as soon as possible. I commend you to the greatest happiness you will ever know as you set this into action, and see it force destructive forces into annihilation, and life streams thank you for eternity for the love of your life, which has opened the door to their freedom. Thank you with all my heart. Beloved Lady Master Nada.